Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us again for All Things Evangelism. I'm here this week with a good friend and ministry colleague, Joseph Scaff, the pastor of the Warner's Bay Seventh-day Adventist Church. I'd like to welcome you to the show, to the podcast, Joseph. Hey, Matt, it's nice to see you. Thank you so much for inviting me. I had such a great time with you the last time we recorded together, so I'm looking forward to see what God has for us today. Yeah, that's it. Hey, so All Things Evangelism is where we talk all things that relate to evangelism. And today we're talking about faith and something that Jesus said about faith and the end of time. And more than that, how faith is the most important element to soul winning ministry success. But before, I guess, before we jump in, Joseph, to our discussion, I want to ask if you could, I've heard through the grapevine, you are transitioning from your local church pastoral ministry to a different role. What is that? Correct, Matt. So um, starting next year in January, I will be going to the conference office and I will be ministering and helping out as a halftime stewardship department and halftime church planting department. So that there's a little bit of a, a role from local church to more administrative slash support. But I'm excited for the new challenges that God has for me. Yeah, I'm excited too. I, I think you're going to be a great asset to the conference. Your experience in finance and business, you are very organized and administrative in your skill set. And yeah, I think it's going to be great. So we'll be praying for you. Thank you. As you make the transition, man. Thank you very much. It's, it's going to be good. Hey, so let's have a short word of prayer, if you don't mind, Joseph, before we jump into our talk today on faith and will Jesus find faith when he comes again? Wow, what a great question. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for the opportunity to have this discussion and to consider what your word says about evangelism and success in mission. Bless us now, please, in Jesus' name. Amen. So this statement that we're going to base our conversation on, uh, Joseph, is it's from a parable that Jesus tells. And the parable is all about praying and not getting tired or not getting weary in your prayers to God. And Jesus, do, do you want to maybe, do you know, are you familiar with this story? Yes, yes. Uh, one of my favorite stories, actually. Tell, tell me, what's so break it down for us. What's happening? Okay, Luke chapter 18, Jesus tells a story, as you said, so that the disciples will learn that they ought not to lose heart while praying. And he tells the story about this certain city, and she had some kind of a court case going on for her. However, the judge that was ruling that court case for her happened to be an unrighteous judge. The Bible tells that he didn't fear God. He didn't fear man. In other words, he just did whatever was good in his own sight. He was a corrupt judge. And Jesus tells the story that the lady kept coming to this judge time and time again. And at some point, this judge got so annoyed or perhaps even afraid of this lady talking bad about him through the city that this judge finally decided to do what? To do justice and to give the lady the verdict for her case. And of course, it was favorable for her. So Jesus then concludes, if even a judge as unrighteous as that judge of that particular town, if even him can do justice, how much more your father in heaven won't act quickly, speedily, promptly when you guys are crying out to him. However, when the son of man comes to earth, will he find 
faith. And that's the basic story that we're that's looking it. at. So Jesus is teaching a lesson by contrast. He's not saying that God is like that judge who's unjust. He's actually saying he's not like that judge who's unjust. But if even an unjust judge will execute justice for the sake of this nagging woman, surely your father in heaven is happy to intercede on your behalf if you really seek him with all your heart, the way that this woman sought justice from this unjust judge. And then Jesus says, ah, when the son of man comes, will he find faith? So Jesus sees that at the end of time, there's going to be a dearth of faith. There's going to be a lack of faith. And that's a problem. That is a problem. And why is that a problem, Joseph? Absolutely. Hey, Matt, that is a big problem, particularly because notice that in this passage here, Jesus actually says that God is actually going to revenge or to avenge or to respond to those prayers quickly. Now, speedily is a bit of a funny term, isn't it? The Bible says that Jesus is coming quickly as well. Quickly, it's a relative term. Quickly to whom, right? For God, it certainly quickly means that he's going to respond at the, at the earliest moment where that prayer needs to be responded. It's not slacking. It reminds me a little bit of that story that we find in the book of Daniel in chapter 10, when Daniel was asking, was praying to God so that he could give, he could understand uh, about the visions that he was given. After 21 days fasting, the angel Gabriel comes to Daniel and says, hey, Daniel, at the very moment that you're praying, I was sent to respond to a prayer, but then I got caught because the prince of Persia, one of, one of the demons, perhaps even loose for himself, was trying to contend against me. So Daniel, for Daniel, it took a whole three weeks, 21 days. But for God, he's, God says, listen, I'm responding quickly. And then Gabriel had to assume, he says, if it wasn't for Michael to intercede in your behalf, you'd probably still be waiting. But for some reason, that uh, prayer was attended in the right way. And I think that this is important, Matt, to follow because this is the thing about faith. Faith is necessary when we look around us and we think that God is not there. And I think that's the context that Jesus is saying. We're going to come to a place in the end of times where it is going to look like that God is absent. Jesus said, even in the Gospel of Luke, we're going to hear about wars and rumors of wars and pandemics. It's very interesting that Luke is the only gospel that actually used that word pandemics. We're living through a global pandemic. Jesus says that people were going to hate his disciples for no cause just because they were disciples of Jesus. So Jesus was aware that at times his followers will be praying and praying and it will look to them, it would appear to them that nothing is happening, that nothing is taking place in heaven. And Jesus is saying, no, not only it is taking place, but it is going to take place speedily, as quick as possible. However, while you were waiting to see my promise being fulfilled, to see my avenge being delivered to you guys, will you still keep your trust in me or are you going to give up? Have you, listener, ever prayed for something so important and it looked to you that God was just not answering your prayer? What was your temptation there? Were you tempted to just lose faith in prayer? Were you tempted to believe that your prayers were perhaps not even leaving your ceiling, the ceiling of your, of your room? Or were you like this widow that kept persevering, knowing that in God's good time, he was going to bring you the solution? Even if it was something that you didn't expect, but he was going to answer that prayer. Amen. This morning we met as a Bible working team and the, all the North New South Wales Conference Bible workers and I met and one, we were reading, we studied together 
Deuteronomy chapter 9. And in Deuteronomy 9, Moses recounts for Israel, they're just about on the border, they're on the borders of the promised land, about to go into the promised land. And Moses recounts for the Israelites their failings in chapter 9. And he talks about how when they danced around the golden calf after receiving the Ten Commandments, that God was going to destroy them and was going to start over. He was going to use Moses as another, as the second Abraham to start a nation from Moses. And the whole history of the nation would have been different. Everything was going to be changed. But then Moses interceded on the behalf of the people. And, it, and he says, I, I laid on my face before God for 40 days, interceding that he wouldn't destroy Aaron or destroy you. Wow. And, and it had an effect. And God relented from the judgment that he was going to execute upon the people for what they did. And one of the points that the Bible workers and I really spent time considering was how an individual person can alter the course of history when they just really pursue uh, God, when they really, when they pray like Moses, this man was determined to get the people of Israel to the promised land. And so he was able to stave off the judgments of God and say, hey, and God would have been perfectly just to execute justice upon judgment upon the Israelites. But so our basic point was that we can change the course of history if we believe like Moses believed that we can actually get God to work on our behalf. Yes. We can, he will actually respond to us. There is actually a God in heaven who actually hears prayers. And I notice, and I wanted to do this podcast on this subject, Joseph, because I notice that in most of the meetings that I'm in that discuss evangelism and soul winning and ministry, we focus a lot on plans, processes, finances, right? Tactics, approaches, all of these kinds of things. And rarely do we ever talk about faith. It's almost as if we're acting like God isn't there. Yes. And ultimately, our work can, our ultimately efforts can only succeed if God works for us, if we have the power of God. And so faith is essential because faith is the victory that overcomes the world. And it was by faith, according to Hebrews 11, that all of the ancients did the mighty and wonderful works of God. It wasn't through their strength, their talent their plans. It was, you, you have to give your talent to God. You make your plans as best as you can. But at the end of the day, your success comes when you have faith, when you have true, living, vital faith in God. And I think that's really important. Absolutely, Matt. What you said, I think it's something extraordinary. And I, we had a chat about that before. And I remember you telling me that story and that it really impressed me. And I've been taking it to heart since we, we talked about it how often we play, we pretend as if God doesn't exist. And we basically focus so much in our works, particularly when we're talking about evangelism, Bible studies, personal evangelism, anything. We often neglect the element of faith. And in that particular case, through prayer, the prayer being the avenue of that faith. And just this week, we're currently running an evangelistic series with Dr. Cale DeVal called uh, Revelation of Hope. And I was going to do a pastoral visitation to uh, a man that this, that desired to be baptized, but he had a few questions on certain topics, particularly the ones on 
clean and unclean foods. And in my mind, I, ju- I already jumped in my default mode, which is let me just work, do it by my works. However, the good thing is that I called up, up another pastor. There's a, there's a friend of mine and I was uh, talking to him about some things and some of asking some uh, advice in regards to uh, a few items that, that I had in my mind. And he said, Joseph, the most important thing that you have to do is to call your prayer warriors, your five to 10 prayer warriors, and tell them to be in prayer during the time that you are meeting, visiting with this guy and said, wow. And I felt rebuked in my heart because I said, man, I I was totally going there without a covering of prayer. And I was actually setting myself up to failure. But God used that pastor, that man to remind me that what we are uh, fighting here is a spiritual warfare and a spiritual warfare needs to be fought with spiritual weapons. The Bible tells us that it is prayer, the, 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 the main weapon to fight against Satan and the demons and his hosts. The Bible tells us that uh, the prince of this world in first corinthians that satan he is actively blinding and deafening people so that they will not be able to hear or to discern god's word so if i want people to discern god's word yes one one thing that i need to do is to try to communicate it as clearly as i can however if i'm communicating clearly but satan is closing the avenues of that person's soul how am i supposed to clear that if not through prayer. And so I called them, I called my friends, they are praying for this meeting and the meeting was a success. He was a bit resistant before about this this concept, but after we, we, we explained the scriptures clearly, I could see that his heart disposition was such that I could only attribute it to the Holy Spirit by telling him, this is my voice, heed. That's so good, hey, so powerful. And we're not speaking against methods, right? We're not speaking against preparing and being intentional or disciplined or ready. Like, like it's important. And Jesus calls us to be disciples. He, he calls us to follow him so that he can make us fishers of men, meaning that he'll train us. And so there's Jesus is not, and we're not against training, and we're for it. It's a good thing. It's important. Yes. Paul says, I keep under my body and bring it under subjection, meaning he, he disciplines himself and so that he can be successful in his work and in his ministry. The Bible says, study to show yourself approved to God. And so this is, and prepare and develop your thoughts and develop your approaches. And all of that stuff is good. But the most essential part is that we act as if there is a God and that we have faith in that God. He's a living God. He's a real God and he's here. And he has assigned to us a a task that requires faith because it requires his strength because it's too much for us. And I think this is something we must remember. And Joseph, if we allow our minds just to, con- just if we open up the panorama of scriptural history before our, our minds all at once and ask the question, how were the majority of successes accomplished or great things? Was it, would it be because of the exceptional talent or ability of the individual or the exceptional relationship that they had with God and the faith that they had? In God, right? So now Moses was talented. Abraham was wealthy. They had resources. They had means. They were capable and competent individual people. Paul was an extraordinary mind. He was, Ellen White says that he was so smart that he would usually figure people out in the few first few moments of talking to them. Wow. He could pin you against the wall in a few short seconds. He was a genius intellect. But he, when he was converted, he goes out into the wilderness for three years so that Jesus could reorient him to religious faith because- yes. His intellect was not enough. He needed to learn yes. dependence upon God. And, 
And God gave him the weakness of the flesh so that he would have to learn dependence upon the grace of God. Because as intelligent as Paul was or Moses was or how wealthy Abraham was, their wealth and talent and ability was not enough. And they had to be humble believers in the power of God. And so I, like in our efforts, it's just thinking of biblical examples, right? You've got, you walk across the Red Sea. How's that accomplished? Because of the talent and capacity of Moses? No, because of faith in God and obedience to the will of God. Jericho's walls fall. Well, how? Because because blowing trumpets and marching around cities yeah. is an effective way to knock down city walls? Like, I don't think so. There's so many scriptural stories you can point to. Here comes an invading army. Let's just have a song service. Like these things happen in the Bible. And so faith-filled obedience to the leading of God is what gains the victory. Ultimately, that's the fundamental underlying thing. Like that gets us the victory. Everything else is secondary. It's like layers, but the the foundational layer is faith. If you don't have that, you have nothing. You just have nothing. You have nothing to build up. Listen, Matt, you're, you're very right. There's the, the Bible has plenty of passages that we are not lazy, that we do our part, that we try to use our God-given brains and talents to, to do the best that we can with the resources that we have. Proverbs is filled with, with exaltations upon diligence, being diligent and so on. However, our human temptation is often to earn that side of works. And I, I like that Ellen White has that you know classic illustration about faith and works being like the two oars in a rowboat. If we have just faith, like a false kind of a faith, like a, a dead kind of a faith that is just an actual, an intellectual assent to a certain truth, but that doesn't have any power, well, we're we are rowing in the, and not leaving the same spot. However, if you're trying to do everything that we can just with the, uh, the row of works and not prayer, guess what? We're not really getting any consequences. If we get any, if we ever get any result from that kind of approach was entirely on the mercy of God because he has urgency to come back to this planet. But certainly the results are far less effective as they could have been if we prayed fervently. Now, let me tell you two two anecdotes to this. That one, I don't, I know, uh, take that with a pinch of, with a grain of salt, but I believe that the general principle applies. One author once said that if we take everything that is done in the church today, probably it's 80% human works and maybe 20% of things that we do are done with the help of the Holy Spirit. He's talking about the Christian church in general. But he said, when you looked at the church in Acts, Probably 80% of what they've done, they accomplished by the power of the Holy Spirit and perhaps 20% they accomplished without it. So they're saying that the dependence of the early church that we that we see in the book of Acts was so great on, on the Holy Spirit. That's no wonder that in one generation, Paul says they were able to bring the gospel into every creature under the sun into the whole world. Ellen White in the book Acts of the Apostles said something extraordinary. It's one of my favorite quotes from that book and I really really like to recommend for you to. It's a great read. She said that the disciples of Jesus dared not to pretty much step out of their home on a daily basis to do what God has called them if before they hadn't prayed fervently, so much so that they would be 100% sure of their own ineffectiveness, their own inability to do anything, but having the full assurance that God was going to be their efficiency in doing so. They wouldn't leave, they wouldn't step out of the door before recognizing that they that without Jesus they could accomplish nothing but once they have received power from the above once that they have prayed fervently and felt enraptured 
by God's promises, then they ventured themselves into their day in facing the high priests or whoever wanted to stone them or to put them in jail. And I think that if I look at that and say, God, is my life reflective of that attitude? I would say it's not, but this is something definitely that I want to, and I want to strive to have that every day uh, of my life, because I know that without that, I'm going to be rowing in circles. In circles, that's right. There's two Bible examples that come to mind. Number one, in Luke chapter 10, Jesus sends out the disciples, and it's their first missionary journey. And he says to them, don't take any provisions for yourself. Don't take a staff, an extra cloak. Don't take a a sword, which was a tool that they would use, multi-purpose tool for hunting, for all kinds of different things. Just go and, and live in faith and allow, learn that lesson of trust and dependence upon God. You don't have in the first missionary journey, Jesus does not allow his disciples to take, to take provisions that will allow them to provide for themselves. Why? Because he wants to teach them dependence upon him and a lesson of faith. And then in Luke 22, he says, you remember when I said, he says this to Peter and the rest of the, of the disciples, when I sent you out the first time, I didn't, I, I told you, don't take a sword, don't take extra money, don't take anything else. But now, now take a sword, have extra clothing and all these kinds of things. What he's saying is you've earned the right to look after yourself because you have passed the test of faith, if that makes sense. And so in Jesus's training of his disciples, he first trains them in faith where they go out and they don't know exactly how they're going to provide for themselves, but they don't need to know. Just focus on the mission, focus on the work, and then let God take care of the rest. And then the second example would be the Israelites. So they're leaving. They leave Egypt and they've got a handful of stuff and that's it. And they're just in the wilderness and they don't know where they're going to get their food from. They don't know, you know, how they're going to have enough firewood, firewood to cook for the, the number of people. And so this is a big deal, but they have to learn the lesson of faith. And God doesn't say, hey, here's a map and here's the route we're going to take to the promised land. He doesn't tell them that. He just says, when you see the cloud move, you move. When you see the cloud stop, you stop. You don't know where you're going. Same with Abraham. He left not knowing where he was going, but he knew ultimately he would be in the promised land and he had to learn trust and faith first before he could get there and inhabit the land. So I see with the Israelites, with the disciples, God is always teaching faith first because until you learn that lesson, you're not fit for anything else. Wow, Matt, like it really opened my mind. I have to admit that I have never seen these passages under that light before. And one thing, one word that kept popping in my mind as you were sharing the examples, particularly of Luke 10 and, and the Israelites and Abraham, is that excuses. Jesus was teaching them that there were no excuses not to follow God's plan for them. Had their disciples, for example, in their first journey, taken all of their their knives and their swords and their money bags and, and had anything gone wrong, maybe they lost their money bag, maybe they lost their sword, they could easily come back home and say, God, of course we couldn't do our work because we didn't have all that we need. You know, they had everything that it took, which was God's instructions and God's command 
to tell them go. But now that they have learned that lesson, now that the Israelites had learned how that God was going to provide for them supernaturally around the desert. So now that they knew that how that it was God who was going to provide, then God could entrust them with say, okay, now you can have the big toys. Now you can take the swords because now that if your sword gets stolen, that's not going to be an excuse. And I think that one of the things that I, I see, Matt, and I'm going to, I'm going to, you give me permission to say something a little bit uh, tough here. Listener, if you have a fainted, fainted heart, please, now's the time to for you to turn this off. But I'm going to say something here. You're probably going to hate me for that, but I'm going to say because I believe this is, this is true. And I think that this is something that we as a people of God need to hear. I often see a lot of well-intended church members and, and Christians in general finding but excuses not to go out and finding excuses not to be involved in the local church, finding excuses not to dedicate their talent to, for example, witness to one of their secular friends or their unchurched friends or their friends from other denominations. And the list of excuses innumerable. I don't have the time. I don't have the money. I don't have the talents. I don't have the skills. I don't know how to do it. And God is saying, go and do it as you are. And as you are going, I am going to be equipping you. But do not let the lack of anything, you fill in the blanks, be something that will prevent you to be participating in a new church plant that perhaps is is coming up in your you know ne- next to your church of an evangelistic series an opportunity to give a bible study an opportunity to preach an opportunity to participate in some kind of ministry to talk about Jesus to talk about the blessings that has been given to you these stories they teach us that God will not accept any excuses because there's no excuses really if you're going there with the holy spirit and nothing else you have more than enough to do anything that God requires of you. If you have God, you have enough. And if you have faith in God, you have enough. The Bible says, for whatsoever was is born of God also overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. So the disciples, they said to Jesus in Luke 17, increase our faith. Jesus, whenever the disciples were fretting and worrying because there was a storm on the lake and they were afraid for their lives, he would say, where is your faith? Where is your faith? I'm here, and that's enough. This is all you need. If you have God, you have enough. If you have his word, you have enough. And I think that's really the lesson for us today. Church family, just believe that if you have the word of God and you have access to God through the Son of God, you have all that you need to make a difference in this world. If you haven't learned that, if you've not settled yourself into that truth, Stop everything, your education, stop your career, stop. You haven't first yet learned the most important lesson in the Christian journey. And that's the lesson of trusting and having faith in God. And really, this is essential to success in evangelistic ministry. It should, faith should infuse all that we do and, and a real connection with God and a real openness to his leading. That's really essential. So Joseph, we're out of time, brother. And I hate to cut off now, but... We're going to be faithful, even though you're Brazilian and I'm Hispanic half. We're going to, we're going to stick to the time frame. Guys, thank <laughs> okay. you for joining us. Let us all pray as a church together that God would increase our faith. Jesus did not say at the end of time, will the Son of Man find people who have lots of resources? He didn't say that. He didn't say 
when the Son of Man comes, will he find people who are really smart? He doesn't say, when the Son of Man comes, will he find people who have really clever strategies how to win the secular mind? He doesn't say any of that. He says, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? God bless you guys. We'll see you next week.